0: Welcome back to spiritual crusade i am todd bruce and this is my buddy kevin beamer on the other side over here somewhere nope that way the screen flipped i don't know somewhere <laughs> anyway uh welcome back we're uh, i'm todd this is kevin we're talking classic talks tonight we're going to be covering lift where you stand by dieter f Uchtdorf. um we're excited to have you here so welcome to spiritual crusade if you haven't checked out the site check it out there's lots of uh Lots of value on the site. There's lots of um, podcasts and and articles written and and social media posts made. And uh, come follow me. Lesson helps. It's just an outstanding uh, resource uh, uh, for people to use. There's a lot of hard work put into it and, and a lot of uh, 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 highly spiritual and um, inspirational people who are involved. So so check it out and uh, and, and share with your family and friends and uh, and yeah. Uh, we're gonna get on with this lesson, Kevin. What do you uh, What do you think about Dieter Oakdorf's "Lift
1: Where You Stand"? Uh, just like pretty much every single talk he ever gives, it's outstanding. So, oh yeah, <laughs> wrong.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and with the, there wasn't too many plane references in this one. Uh, no, but it was it was really good. Uh, he starts off he basically tells a story about what he's back in Germany and they need to move a, a grand piano from one room into the cultural hall I think um, and they're just they're a bunch of elders trying to get it moved and they don't know really what they're doing they're just trying to trying to do the best and and he says here he goes another uh, task I'm gonna read it because he's way more uh, he's eloquent <laughs> I just love it. uh he goes none of us none were professional movers And the task of getting that gravity-friendly instrument through the chapel and into the cultural hall seemed nearly impossible. Everybody knew that this task required not only physical strength, but also careful coordination. There were plenty of ideas, but not one could keep the piano balanced correctly. Uh, They repositioned the brethren by strength, height, and age, and over and over again, and nothing worked. Uh, And as they stood around the piano, uncertain of what to do next, a good friend of mine, Brother Hanno Lucian, spoke up he said brethren stand close together and lift where you stand he continues he goes it seemed too simple nevertheless each lifted where he stood and the piano rose from the ground and moved into the cultural hall as if on its own power Uh, that was the answer to the challenge they merely needed to stand close together and lift to where they stood uh and i just i love i i enjoy that story and uh because I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in, in the, you know, he's gonna, we're gonna get into it more in this, in, this, uh, in this conference talk, but, you know, examples of people who, who magnified their callings and made a significant difference. And, uh, and again, it doesn't matter what side of that piano you're gonna stand on or, or lift, it's all, it all is important. If you're lifting the heavy end and nobody's on that light end, well, you're going to lose that equilibrium and it's going to fall, it's going to fail. Every brother on that piano uh, brought value, uh, being able to lift it.
1: Well, and just the, uh, the imagery of moving a piano. So imagery of moving in general, we've all, you know, especially for brethren, right? Because this talk is directed at brethren, even though it can be applied for everyone. But that imagery of moving, that imagery of moving this big, heavy piano, and right away when I hear this story, I've got two quick piano stories, right? One time I moved a piano with the missionaries. I was young, like early, mid-20s, maybe early 30s. Whew, I'm getting old. Uh, and we loaded this piano up. I tied it with this really thin rope, pulled it to do a turn, and the piano goes like this in the back of the truck. It does not fall out, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> which could So close to terrible. Uh, so good, right? Close to terrible. And I remember when we loaded it, we couldn't even get it in the truck and the garbage man driving by picked up my garbage, saw we were struggling and helped us put it in, right? Like that's pianos are heavy. (laughs) They're heavy. Uh, but, and I'll just stick with that story, but how quickly that imagery we can take and then say, okay. I've seen that, or maybe I've heard about someone doing something difficult like that. Okay. Yeah, that is hard. How would I have done that? How would I have done that differently? And then it's a simple, simple answer. Just work the amount of action.
0: Do what you can do. Yeah. Uh, so this, this reminds me, and I've moved plenty of pianos too, and they've They've been miserable pianos are really easy pianos to move. Uh, I've seen pianos move so easily. Two men could do it. And I've yep. seen pianos that were a hundred years old and you needed eight guys and yep. put it up some stairs and around the corner. And they didn't want to scratch the floor or the piano or the, but what this reminds me of is this last summer, I took my two oldest boys on a canoe trip and yep. drove it into them. I said, we're going to, we're going to be portaging which is carrying all of our gear from one lake to another lake along this narrow little path. And there's, we have a lot of stuff in our canoe and we have a lot of people in our, our, our crew that are with us. We had 26 or 28 people on the canoe trip and some were elderly, some could barely make it over the portage themselves. And I drove it, up to boys, we do what we can. You guys aren't expected to lift canoes. You guys aren't expected to carry food packs, but you're expected to carry paddles, you know light backpacks fishing rods just things you can carry do you what you can and we will get everything over and i was yeah. forth carrying canoes and carrying food packs and 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 you know wearing myself out but you know what my kids wore themselves out taking that light stuff and the more yeah. we all pitched in it all made it over yeah you know, do what you can awesome. not, not nothing more nothing less and and uh and that
1: piano gets moved well and just going along with that is there's also that the story right do what you can lift where you stand but also standing closer together yeah and just the benefit that is for us that we're so much stronger mentally emotionally spiritually physically when we do stuff together rather than by ourselves I love the,
0: uh, the story in the Bible of Gideon when, when he had his army and was going to defeat the Midianites, I want to say. And, uh, and, and uh, I think it's the Midianites. Anyway, yeah, um, and, and the Lord commanded him, said, yeah, you got too many soldiers. Let's send some of them home. And they let everyone who wanted to go home, go home. And they said, oh, we still got too many. So now let's whittle it down some more. And they whittled it down to like 300 people. And they they came up with their plan. The Lord told them what to do, and every and I love telling this uh, in primary when I was teaching primary a couple of years ago because they they the Midianites camped in a little valley, and so they got all of the 300 people up on the peaks all around this valley, uh, like up on the point, and they they lit. Um, I want to say that each army or each regiment or each whatever uh, had somebody who led it who had like a a torch and a horn. Like that's how they used to do things back then. So they gave each person a torch and a horn, put space them properly in in their role where they're supposed to be, and blew their horn and and lit their torch at the same time and and made made enough noise together it freaked out the Midianites, and they actually started fighting themselves. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, what I love about that story is that the Midianites started fighting themselves. It's that every man, the three hundred, all had a role, and they all fulfilled that role in the position they needed to be in. Uh, yeah. And if if you know twenty of them or fifty of them were like this, uh, this is suicide. Three hundred yeah. of them, ten thousand of them, like, are you nuts? I'm not doing this, and they bailed on it or just didn't do it. Would it have yep. worked the same? But, uh, you know, everyone committed, they bought in, and they worked hard and did what their responsibility was. Yeah. Anyway,
1: that's you what it just reminds me of. Yeah, I think we just found out the uh, original story of Horton Here's a Who. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except, for,
0: did they all start fighting each other in Horton Here's a Who? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, my kids are too old. I haven't read that book in a while. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I like this next line. He says, "He goes, although it may seem simple, lifting where we stand is a principle of power. Um, you know that there is there is power in doing what we're expected to do, and yeah. filling the role that we're expected to fill. Um,
1: simple. Yeah." And I just, you know, anytime we think of something, whether we felt let down or we've let people down, and it's always just usually something really simple, right? It's just that, that really simple thing, just do it, just do what's expected.
0: And, uh, and he, he continues saying that most people live by this. It's not a very difficult principle doing what's expected and doing what, what your role is, uh, but some struggle and I've, I've struggled, uh, yeah. My life where I've pulled back and just said, you know what, I can't can't do this right now. There was a, a time I was Elders quorum president, and I struggled with the direction of the ward. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to focus on Elders quorum. That's what I can focus on right now. I'm not going to worry about the ward so much. I'm still going to go to ward councils and whatnot. But when, that wasn't really the best attitude to yeah. have about it, I you know I needed to be better, and uh, and I've learned from that um but you know now being in the the role I'm in now it, it it matters even that much more because you know it it you know you can't lift a piano by yourself you need everyone to to lift where they stand and do what they you know do what they're asked to do and they don't have to do any more they just have to do what they're asked to do and be reliable uh to the lord and it makes all the difference in the world and and how the work moves forward Mm -hmm. but uh he continues and says that there are usually two reasons why people don't why why they they fall short and uh the two reasons he lists are they seek to lead or they seek to hide and and the first one he goes if only i were a bishop i could make a difference or if only i were uh whatever role i could make a difference and and i learned pretty quick um when I first started getting into ward councils that if you wanted something done, if you wanted to do something, if you wanted to have a ward function, if you wanted to, to enact some program, ask permission, bring it up, but jump on it, quarterback it, go do it. And, and if you're inspired to do something, it's going to make a difference if, if you have buy-in and you're willing to, to see it to the end. And uh, I, I can't speak for every bishop out there, but I know I will more than likely be more than happy to let somebody run with something if it, I see that there's value in what they're gonna do. And, and if they can sell me on it, I'm sure that we can make it happen and, uh, and, and see some good from it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, sometimes we put ourselves into these sort of boxes or lack of a better term that we say, this is what I can do or can't do. And especially in the gospel, it's no, you can do whatever you, whatever you want to put the effort into. So if you want to have a function because you're wanting to do something with friends, then do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like whatever that looks like to you, uh, we're, we're a gospel of action. Yeah. I've, uh, I had an old Bishop who, uh,
0: who was getting burnt out of being Bishop and he was looking forward to being being released. And he wasn't released for like a year and a half after he was burnt out. And uh, yeah. as soon as he was released, he, he he's, you know, sighed a big, he, he was relieved that he was released, but he quickly realized that just because you're released from a big calling doesn't mean you don't have responsibility because he then proceeded to get a stake calling and a ward calling they kept him just as busy if not more so than when he was bishop. yeah. so yeah. there there the work still needs to happen. it still needs to move forward and uh, you know whether you whether you're you know higher profile calling or behind the scenes calling or you're or you're serving children or you're the the building facilitator that all needs yeah. to happen and it, it it helps helps the work move work yeah. Oh, it helps the work move Whatever.
1: We all understood what you meant. Up
0: again, It's too late. Uh, and then the other reason he said people don't, don't uh, lift and don't magnify their callings is they seek to hide. So either some of them seek to, uh, seek to lead and they don't get that position. So they say, ah, I, I'm not going to worry about it now. I'll do better later. And then the other one is they seek to hide. And uh, I've seen this. People busy themselves out of the gospel. They yeah. they don't want their, their they get anxious or nervous or freaked out about the responsibilities they have in the church and they and they tend to busy themselves right out of the gospel
1: yeah
0: and uh, you know it's it's all a matter of where our priorities lie but he he uh, Dieter Uchtdorf he goes oddly enough often the root cause of both of these tendencies seeking to lead or seeking to hide may be the same selfishness.
1: Yeah, and I, when I was re- reading and listening through this uh, talk a couple times that we were talking about before we started recording, I first off, I've been both seek to lead and seek to hide. Yeah. And chances are I'll be both again at some point in my life. That's just, that's ebbs and flows. That's how spiritual progression is. But I got such an interesting thought about how smooth Satan is. Is that he takes one, one vice, one weakness, and he can produce these polar opposites. Okay, be selfish. Well, in being selfish, you're gonna go do this and manifest it this way, or you're gonna manifest it this way. So we either, oh, I, I'm not important enough, so I'm not gonna do anything, or I'm too busy. Uh, you know, I've gotta watch my hockey game. Sorry, I can't, I can't do that. And it's interesting that it's just one weakness and how smooth Satan is at manipulating us to not even realizing what we're doing.
0: Yeah, uh, he's, and uh, uh, President Uckdorf is going to get into it a little bit here further about leading. And uh, and just because you're not called to that position of, of authority or, or that, that right. position that you, you think you could really do some good in, doesn't mean you're not worthy of that position. It doesn't mean yep. less of a, a person or child of God. it just means that, that that's not your time to fill that role. and, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah like you say I very likely there will be times when, when we're I'm not motivated. I bet you as a bishop, I'm gonna find times where I'm not motivated. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go on vacation and turn off my cell phone and, yep. and, and, and hide under a rock. For a couple weeks or I did it already I went on a canoe trip for two and a half weeks with no salt coming but uh um, <laughs> the COVID was still happening and and we weren't in church yet but yeah um anyway not luckily I should say
1: yeah <laughs> but optimistic ever the optimist
0: <laughs> it was half full covid was still raging and yeah shutting down churches everywhere no yeah. um at least in Canada yes but uh, anyway, the the glorious thing is, there's something called repentance, and we can learn to be better. Yeah.
1: Well, and like just along with that selfishness, just it's so invasive that we all have those feelings at some point. Sometimes we don't manifest or act on those feelings. Just just as an example tonight, I've been working on a deck for my wife so that we get a hot tub. She's wanted it for at least the 17 years we've been married. That's been a goal. (laughs) So it's coming Saturday. So I worked all day and then immediately went out in the dark and I'm working on this deck and it's not going well. And I may have cursed a few times. Uh, I don't like working in the dark. My wife comes up and she says, Okay, I got to go to a meeting, Kevin. The older girls are off to Young Women's Mutual. My wife's got to go to a meeting and she's like, And the dishes haven't been done. I couldn't convince the girls to do it before they left to Young Women's. And then she's like, I guess I'll just do it after my meeting when I get home at like 9, 9.30. And in my mind immediately, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm working out here on this deck for you. I don't say anything. Right? that That's the initial selfish little brat thought that I have. Uh, so she goes off. I finish up what I'm doing. And I went and did the dishes. Right. But still that initial selfishness just kicks in. It's like, no, I'm going to go sit and relax. I've worked hard today. Not, not taking into account anything else that my wife's worked hard. My kids have worked hard. Yeah. It's just interesting how selfishness is so invasive. It's, it's
0: totally there. And it's so easy to do because we're all busy and we all are entitled to a break. Um, but you know, we're if we if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Who's picking up the slack? That's right. And and you love your wife, and you want I'm her sure. you want extra work on her. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and that's that's very much, um, you know, in the gospel, we love the Lord and we're serving right. Him. It's not that we yeah. have to love our bishop or our bishopric or our Relief Society or Elder's Quorum, or whatever you know we should, but. Mm-hmm. Human, uh, but if we can remember our Savior in in those acts that we're serving Him when we and we serve our fellow man and, and our spouse and and when we make life better all around, we're 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 serving Him. That really should be our kind of our driving focus on a lot of it. Yeah, that's right. As as this piano needs to go in there because it makes our Savior happy. Right. Sure. We're gonna do our end because it makes. Yeah. It.
1: So he jumped. Well, not we're jumping now because. Let's get back, get us back on track, Todd. (laughs) Because you brought up family, so it's perfect. It goes,
0: this is a priesthood session talking about brethren, but this applies to everybody. When we stand before the Lord to be judged, will he look upon the positions we have held in the world or even in the church? Do you suppose that titles we have had uh, other than husband, father, or priesthood holder, or wife, or spouse, or mother uh, will mean much to him? Do you think he will care how packed our schedule was or how many important meetings we attended? Uh, Do you suppose that our success in filling our days with appointments will serve as an excuse for failure to spend time with our wife and family? Uh, And again, that comes back to the priorities we've made in life. Now, I wanna add one caveat here because that last line about filling our days with appointments will serve as an excuse for failure to spend time with our wife and family. I've seen people use their wife and their family as an excuse to not serve in the church. Um, and again, it will come back to priority and and whether or not um, the other things that are in their life are, are bringing that value, are, are, are bringing that same value that their service in the church could be bringing. I, I don't want to take time away from wife and family. I like my kids and I like my wife and I like spending time with them. Um, but I'm going to make sure that I'm serving the Lord and I'm serving my family and then my ability to watch, a, sit down and watch an entire hockey game or my shed that's taken six months. to I got the walls on last week. I got those nice bit of walls. I still got to insulate some spots, but uh, yeah. I'll deal with siding next year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Creston is like, but Sparrow has snowed a whole bunch in October. So it's far too far. We had a little bit of snow, but there's no snow on the ground right now. I, we got plenty, and I think we hit uh, minus 20 in Celsius, which I'm not sure what it is in Fahrenheit. But I think when it gets that cold, it doesn't matter. It's still cold. It doesn't
1: matter. That's cold.
0: That's cold, Todd. <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was not a fun week last week. That does not sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> but my shovels <laughs> are on. Um, I'm glad. And you know what? We spent speaking of spending time as a family. Um, we talked mom into downloading Among Us on her phone. Okay. Six of us all sat around together on our devices, playing Among Us within a private group, just the six of us, and had a blast. That's awesome. For like an hour, we did it for like an hour. It's all the time we do it, but the kids just loved it, and my yeah. wife admitted it. It wasn't as bad as she thought it was going to be because she doesn't like video games, but. Um, she got to be the murderer and killed us a couple times or the imposter or whatever they call it
1: yeah and and it was cool so oh, cool what a great experience right and it's it's interesting how the Lord accepts so many different versions or ideas but so that's good uh, there's lots of different ways to connect to have meaningful relationships to do good things Yeah, and sometimes it's as simple as playing a video game often it's not <laughs> Yep. Uh, but when Ukdorf, uh, Dieter F. Ukdorf talks about how the Lord judges accomplishments and just how differently he does that than us.
0: Yeah.
1: It, just thinking of tonight. So I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I am not a good, great husband because I wash dishes. That means nothing in the grand scheme of things. But I, I thought about that is, you know, I, I'm active at work. I take pride in what I do for work and I think of myself as proficient in that, in that career. But my father in heaven's probably way more stoked with me for putting aside my selfish pride and washing the dishes. Not that I'm special or amazing for washing the dishes. That's, I'm not, I, I'm not looking for someone to say you're amazing. What I'm saying is how I view accomplishment, I would be like, why would that be important? And he's like, "Well, because you swallowed your pride, (laughs) not not because of the act itself, but you swallowed your pride and you tried to act selfless, and that's more important than anything I probably accomplished at work today." Oh, for sure.
0: I think it's that focus and that effort. Yes. If if you you know if, if if your wife said, "Oh, there's dishes in there," but I guess I'll do it later and then you sat out on your deck grumbling because your yeah. wife guilted you and you're feeling guilty about doing it and then you go inside and you grumble the entire time you're doing dishes well that's right dishes got done but like you know yeah. being willing to put aside your stuff and ha- and happily cheerfully going and just doing the dishes and focusing on you know the right things i think that really the focus and that effort really tell the tale of, of why we're doing things do we do we do it because out of duty or do we do it because we love you know, our spouse or love the Lord that, yeah. you know, the, the, they say the three things you do anything out of fear, uh, out of, out of for a reward or because you out of love, you know, yeah. the reward based off of what level of, of, you know, desire you have for serving. And uh, this next story, John Rowe Roe Moyle, uh, he was a man who, who walked 22 miles to help work on the Salt Lake Temple. He lost his leg. He got kicked by a cow, which does not sound fun. No. You have a cow, don't you?
1: I, we used to. We used to. We just have sheep now, but you
0: know. Oh, even getting kicked by a sheep doesn't sound very fun.
1: No, they're, they're not bad. <laughs> they're small.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how big sheep are. Um, but he it had a compound fracture limited medical resources. They had to amputate his leg. Uh, basically, you know, made a, uh, a, a wooden leg that he had to walk, or not had to walk on, but he chose to walk. And yeah. he still made that trip to Salt Lake so that he could serve and do what he could do. And again, he wasn't expected to do everything, but he, was, he just did what he could. And it yeah. says that he, uh, he carved the words Hol- holiness to the Lord. That are still on the temple today, and uh, and then he compares uh, Dieter Uchtdorf compares him with his grandson Henry D. Moyle, who was uh, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He served in the first presidency, uh, and then uh, Dieter Uchtdorf said, "Now, you know, how does how does Heavenly Father judge these two men's service? Is one better than another? Is one it, it's it's totally." Um, the Lord knows how he's going to judge those individuals and the, the blessings they were given and the and the attitudes they had and the, you know, um where did he go? He says here, uh, President Moyle's service in these colleagues was honorable, but his grandfather John's service, though somewhat less public, is just as pleasing to the Lord. John's character, his legacy of sacrifice, serves as a banner of faithfulness and an end sign of duty to the, his family and to the church. John Romoyle understood the meaning of lift where you stand. And again, he did what he could, right? And he, and he focused on the
1: right things. Well, and his is such a, his story's almost too hard for us to relate to, just with technology difference, like it's hard to understand or fathom what his story does, as well as in context where, like, uh, we're not going <laughs> to leave our wives for the week, every week for 22 years, so that we can go do something for the church. You know what, right? Like, so it's a hard story to even understand or grasp. Just because it's so far out there for what we do in our today's, in our today's, this latter day. <laughs> I remember, remember, uh, there was a Word
0: conference in Creston. I don't know. Yeah. You... Okay years ago uh, and yeah. cold and everyone in creston creston is like the tropics here in british columbia it's a much warmer climate than than where i'm from i'm higher elevation in in the rocky mountain yeah. and it was like i don't know minus 20 in creston which is still cold and it was yeah. minus 40 in the, the elk valley i woke up uh it's about a three-hour drive i was up at yeah. in order to get to creston in time and i went to start my truck and it wouldn't start it was plugged in, it was warmed up, it was doing everything it should be doing, stone dead. And my watch and said, I have eight minutes before I got to get on the road so I can pick up the next guy in the ne- next town and that we can make it into Cranbrook and pick up the state young men's president or else if I don't get this going in eight minutes, I'm going to miss it and i just might as well call in and let the guys know I, I can't make it. And so I said, well, I got eight minutes. So I took the van, I that started because that's how my vehicles operate Uh, the minivan jumped my truck I was able to get my truck jumped and I drove to Jaffrey, and I you know uh, got there and I prayed that my truck was going to start when I got back but I jumped in with the next guy and headed to Cranbrook and jumped in with them and anyway made it to Creston and I was I was mentioning this to somebody and they thought this was pretty amazing and I was like I spent eight minutes out in the cold yeah. uh, I didn't, wasn't asked to cross the prairies barefoot. Yeah. Once I got the truck started, it warmed up. I had a heated truck to drive in for three hours. Like it was hardly a hard ask, right? comparing our, our, our story to John Roe, I can't remember his name, John Roe Moyle is apples to oranges, right. you know, mm-hmm. but again, we're not, we're not expected to hike 22 K or 22 miles 35 kilometers well that's a lot right like yeah that's that's a stretch but that's not our our ask our ask is to, to do what we can
1: do in this day right anyway yeah and that's enough and it's funny though because uh people would look at your situation and say nope just going back to bed and they would be justified we would think in a society that you're justified well why would you waste your time then And some people might even think that that was serendipitous or that God was making it so that your vehicle wouldn't start. So that, right. Like, so there's lots of different ways that we justify or, or act. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what?
0: Creston Ward counts, Ward conference would have been just fine. And uh, I would have missed out on some good food afterward, but, uh, and some seeing some good friends, but you know, life would have moved on and it would have been just fine. But, to me, it's it's a little bit. I'm not trying to toot my own horn either, but it's just an yeah. example of like, do you let that first bump in the road derail you, or do you put that effort in?
1: Yeah. And when then, like President Nelson talked about in last conference, not last conference, but the conference before, about the Lord loves effort, and we always feel better when something is hard and we accomplish it.
0: Yeah.
1: We grow more. Like it's. I don't know why it's got to be that way. It just
0: is. <laughs> well, and the, the example here of John Romoyle, well, if he didn't lose his leg and he still had to hike the 22 mile every week, that still would be an amazing story. Oh, it is. Yeah. And he would have totally been justified in saying, you know what? I've lost my leg at my knee. I'm not going to do this hike anymore. And I'm going to stay home. And nobody would have thought ill of him at all. Well, even
1: if he only did it once. yeah, <laughs> Like, we'd probably have a made-for-TV movie it's just about someone walking 22 miles right now. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: And uh, you know what? And, and I don't think John Moyle did it for any kind of recognition.
1: No.
0: Uh, you know, but I think it was his love of the Lord and his wanting to serve and do what he could do. And I love that. I love uh, Elder Updorf carries on with the example of the Helaman's 2,000 warriors. individual recognition is rarely an indication of the value of our service. Uh, We don't know a single name, single one of those 2000 stripling warriors. Um, We know that what they did though, we know what they accomplished and they worked together in accomplishing it. And uh, they accomplished together what none of them could have accomplished alone. That's that whole lift in the piano. You're not going to do it. You got to, you got to do it together. And that's a, big mother piano for 2000 stripling warriors to do to let that is 2060 i think um he continues he goes basically no calling is beneath us every calling provides an opportunity to serve and to grow the lord organized the church in a way that offers each members an opportunity for service which in turn leads to personal spiritual growth um they I can see the steps. I can see the stages in my growth, in my development. Um, that got, that that puts me where I am now. And uh, and the only thing that scares me is where I am now. And <laughs> future might hold, but um, yeah. still very much focused on the present and trying to do what I can do today. And that's yeah. the only thing I can do. Uh, this yeah. made me to. Like I'm, I'm a, an industrial electrician. We do a lot of projects, and we have to include PLCs and motors and pumps and you know a lot of wiring and a lot of you know level transmitters and safety devices and all these major things that all have to work together to accomplish a system and be safe and and do yeah. all. That. And we end up doing a lot of projects, and a lot of places might have an engineer that might design all this and hand it to the electrician. At our our site, we design all a lot of this ourselves. And when you get handed a project and being like, you go fix this. And it's like, this project's massive. There's no way I can do this project. And But you start and you just do what you can. You start off by like, okay, I'm going to draw a print of what I want to do. And then you're like, okay, well, if that's what I, the print, the wiring diagram, what instruments do I need to accomplish this? Okay, now I have instruments. Now what safety devices? Now what cable do I got to run in between everything? and before you know it you have a fully formed plan and you just execute that plan and and you're done the project and you're moving on to another project you know you're not going to get that job done by overwhelming yourself or thinking about the whole you know you just do what you can do and that's like the one takeaway from this lesson is do what you can do do what you've been asked to do
1: do it right mm-hmm. Yeah. Be a, be a, be a person of action.
0: Yeah.
1: Just go to work. And that's uh, oftentimes when, you know, especially with this pandemic, every, a lot of people seem to have uh, heightened stress, heightened anxiety. Uh, not, I'm not trying to speak for everyone. That's me personally. <laughs> I've got heightened stress and anxiety and sometimes it just feels like you can't get anything done. And I've noticed what I do in my professional life is I'll make a list. Okay. What do I need to get done today? And then when I get it finished, I check it off yeah. really simple. And sometimes that list isn't as big as I was hoping it would be, but it something still gets done and, but it's the act of doing, because I could worry about it, stress about it all day, just like you, you could just worry about stress about this big project. And then weeks later, still not even get started, but it's that act of doing. And we often forget why we're here on earth. And we're only here for one reason, to become godlike. And we need to learn, we need to be, do godlike things to become (laughs) godlike. We need to go down that path. And sometimes that's just telling ourselves that we can do hard things or simple things. But
0: uh, that reminds me of a post I did today. It was was Dale G. Renland. Okay. God loves mercy. Okay. I'm going to slaughter that now, but uh, he basically loves mercy. And I, and the, the thought I had was none of us know everything. There's only one person really who knows everything, and that's God. And if God loves mercy, there must be a reason why mercy is important. Mm-hmm. And we have to extend other people the same courtesy that God extends us and be merciful to them and their faults, their mistakes, their shortcomings, their whatever, and, yeah. and allow that room for growth. We're all just, uh, you know, we, again, like you said, we forget why we're here, but we're all just here trying to learn and grow. And, and you know, if we could remember that and remember why we're here and remember that we're all just trying to get back to our Heavenly Father, I think that we can all walk together and help yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, and that's, I had a thought back earlier when we were talking about our families and and... Yep focusing on the most important things a uh, little personal aside from me, from my patriarchal blessing. Uh, it says, it talks about callings that I'll receive. Uh, and at the end of all that, it, 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 it adds a caveat It says the most important calling that you'll receive is as a teacher. Uh, Cause that is where you will influence minds and souls. And, so, you know, it doesn't matter the positions it doesn't matter all that it, every position I've held um, I've I've thought back to that my patriarchal blessing and I took it as an opportunity to teach teaching my counselors I'm teaching sure. um, you know the missionaries that I'm working with I'm teaching the 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 primary kids I'm teaching the young men teaching the young men's presidents you know like it's an opportunity to teach and try and help them to be a little bit better and uh, you know it's it's so important that's that's something that because it's in my patriarchal blessing it's it's something that i've tried to focus on with my callings and not lose sight of mm-hmm.
1: that's awesome anyway well and everything in the gospel is about teaching right we're supposed to be like the master teacher like that's our end goal right to be like christ or to attempt to be like christ might be more uh accurate we don't have to do it today we're probably not going to do it for An immense amount of time that I can't even fathom, but it's that little bit every day to be that teacher. So you should probably teach at some point if you're trying to be a teacher.
0: (laughs) That's the hope. That's I'm I'm butchering it a lot, but we're gonna try, right? And uh, you know, I need some pointers here one of these days, Kev. Oh, you're probably doing amazing. The (laughs) TED, I gotta gotta tune into your TED talk on teaching.
1: (laughs) (laughs) TED talk. Don't do it. Oh, no, no, it'll be something better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Our Heavenly Father asked us that we represent him in the noble work of reaching out and blessing the lives of his children. He asked us to stand firm with the power of the priesthood in our hearts and souls and give the calling we have at this moment our best efforts. If you're asked to serve in primary, love those primary kids. You're not asked to be... A miracle worker and but just teach them and love them and and help them to to recognize you know god through you like that's what you can do uh you know if if you're in nursery just love those kids you know i, I have i have my met a counselor who always reminds me that his favorite calling was in nursery and he was <laughs> more than happy to go back <laughs> And I, I tell them, not quite yet. I'm not quite done with you. You're not wore, worn out yet. But yeah, <laughs> You know, there are some amazing callings out there. And we have a, opportunities to serve and opportunities to help. You know, they're un- unlimited. And uh, like this line up here, every priesthood holder, everybody stands at a unique place and has an important task that only they can perform. Mm-hmm. You know, there's somebody that you can reach that I can't. You have a sphere of influence, Kevin, that I do not have. Thank, thank, thankfully, yeah. <laughs> thankfully, yeah, and uh, and I have the same. And everyone has their own sphere of influence, and and you just do what you can do,
1: but do it. Well, everyone has their own unique spirit, yeah, right. Their own unique way of doing things, and sometimes we just don't uh there's oil and water with other people's personalities but that doesn't mean someone else can't reach that person oh for sure i'm
0: gonna butcher this story but i I remember reading a story of lorenzo snow a lot snow joined the church you know heard joseph smith 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 speak once and was told and felt the god you know felt the spirit and was telling lorenzo snow about it and he was interested heard joseph smith speak but he chalked it up to joseph smith being an eloquent and dynamic speaker yeah that's what he did and he it wasn't until he was on the road one day uh bumped into somebody they traveled together they stopped and they camped and were sitting by a fire and the guy was a missionary for the church of jesus christ and he was a lowly farmer he was poor speech you know like lorenzo snow kind of judged him where he was at and And the guy had a chance to bear his testimony though Lorenzo Snow, the spirit was so strong that Lorenzo could not deny it. And, and that's really was his conversion to the gospel. It wasn't, he met Joseph Smith multiple times. And it wasn't, yeah. he, he met a missionary, I can't remember the guy's name, but um, that really impacted his life. And you're talking about a, a prophet of God, yeah. a future prophet of God. So we each have a role, and we each have people we can, we can Imprint on and make an impact on, and nobody but you, but you, and and me, and each of us can do that role,
1: but we need to do it. Well, that's that's awesome that you shared that because that sort of goes with what uh, Dieter F. Uchtdorf said yeah. about President Monson can't do everything. <clears throat> yeah, wouldn't that be amazing if he was the minister? But also saying that that still wouldn't be enough for people. Oh, yeah. Because we still need these others who will just lift where they stand. This other missionary who's not great, who's not amazing, but just does his best, and the Spirit says, "Okay, I'll work with this."
0: Yeah. If you got, if you had President Monson, who you know, who's alive at the time, divide his time between every member of the church. Just members of the church, mind you. Now he's the prophet of God for for all yeah. people on the earth today. But if he just focused on members of the church. That's 16 million people, 365 days a year. You break that into minutes. You might get a minute or two or 30 seconds. <laughs> Counting, right? 30 seconds, maybe. Like, hey, you know, shake and run off to the side. What about the other 364 and 99 hundredths yeah. of the year? You know, yeah. you somebody else to, to step. We each need to do what we can do, not, not lean on profits or stake you know, um, stake presidents or bishops or elders quorum presidents. Like you need to leave the quorum and you need to lean on organizations and you need to lean on people fulfilling and magnifying their callings.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And we can't, he goes, he closes off here. He goes, may we cease to aspire and cease to retire. Uh, may we always remember this profound lesson that we are banner bearers of the Lord Jesus Christ, upheld by the Holy Spirit of God, faithful and true to the end, each one devoted to give our all to the cause of Zion, and bound by covenant to stand close together and lift where we stand. And, uh, you know, that's that's really what it's about, um, you know, being willing to serve. And really, we we're bound by covenant. Uh, to, to work, to the work. And, uh, you know, I read recently that the, the work of salvation is the most important work. The gathering of Israel is the most important work of this generation. Uh, Rezal M. Nelson said that a few years ago with a youth devotional. Yep. And uh, I'm reading a book right now by Gerald Lund, and he says, he was blown away by that. He goes, I can't I believe that that's the most important work. There's too many other things. Going on that are more important, seemingly more important. And then the more he thought about it, the more he thought, you know, gathering of Israel is missionary work and temple and family history work. It's helping people to make covenants. And when they make covenants, they participate in the atonement, they repent, they're better, they're they're making those binding connections via the, the covenants they're making. So he goes, Yeah, there is nothing more important right now than the gathering of Israel. And uh and, and because it makes those covenants. Yeah. Uh, Again, there's somebody that Kevin Beamer can reach that nobody else can reach. And somebody that Todd Bruce can reach that nobody else can reach, whether it's on this side of the veil or the other. And we just do what we can do.
1: Well, and along with reaching, we also sort of, we don't realize what that even means. Because reaching might not be gospel at all. It might be helping someone to feel the force. Yeah, with no gospel implications. But our Father in Heaven loves all His children. Yeah, whether they're members of our church or not, and just like how He judges accomplishments differently, I'm sure He judges our interactions differently as well. Yeah, exactly,
0: and it's and and uh, you know whether or not everybody that we we invite to the gospel joins the church or not, they still have their agency, and it's that. Yeah. Like, that we can we can extend and i can run around up and down the street and knock on every door and say "Hey, you want to join the church hey you want to join the church and uh uh, that's that's a pretty inauthentic invitation but honestly go out and to our friends our loved ones you know our acquaintances that that we respect and they respect us and and can invite them to you know hey come well not right now but when when there are functions um, hmm. you know, to come to a Christmas party or to, to meet yeah. missionaries or just have an opportunity to share with them how important the gospel is in your life. You don't, they don't have to be baptized. No. If they can catch the spirit of it a little bit, you know, they might be more inclined the next time.
1: Yeah. I'm really hoping you try on October 31st that door-to-door stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll Hey. Uh, you want to join a church? What's this chocolate for?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna stay home and I'm gonna invite every every kid that comes to my door to come to church. <laughs> I got a giant chocolate bar or a small one. You guys wanna to come to church? <laughs> I don't know if that'll work. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I got the Baptist youth minister who lives next door to me. I'll see what he if I get better candy than him. Gotcha. <laughs> He doesn't have any kids. He's got way more energy than I do, so I'll lose that battle 10 days a week.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, <laughs> he's a good guy. I, I like him.
1: Um. Anyway, any closing thoughts? No, just, uh, you know, like everything, it's just about trying to show love and, you know, be like Christ in small, many ways. Yeah. Like you said, showing love sometimes is... Off- people say smiling but maybe it's making somebody cookies maybe it's buying someone a white hot chocolate with peppermint tea in it as you go through tim's like there's so many different ways to do that yeah and
0: we don't have to to you know rewire you don't have to read your family's coming home um (laughs) we don't have to uh to to do move the world you don't have to shake you know do anything um, earth-shaking, we can just do what we can do. Do those little things and and move the work forward.
1: That's
0: right. Awesome. And lift where we stand.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Nice work, Mr. Bruce.
0: Hey, uh, this was Spiritual Crusade. Uh, This was Talking Classic Talks with uh, Todd and Kevin. Uh, If you guys have any talks that you want us to, to go over, uh, we have tons. We could probably go for three or four years uh, just about Dieter Uchtdorf and Russell and Nelson and uh, PR Holland and all the other great speakers we have in our church. But uh, if there's anything you guys want us to cover, go ahead and leave it in the comments over here or over here or wherever the <laughs> section is. Uh, just make a comment. We'll get it eventually. And uh, we'll be move of our list. Um, unless it's a terrible idea, then we're not going to do it. <laughs> Which, if you're listening to us, it might, I'm not sure if it will be a terrible idea. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, you know what? I was listening, listening to the last conference not long ago, and the youth speakers at that conference just blew me away. And oh, yeah. I know that there's a single conference talk out there that isn't amazing, and, and there isn't gospel principles that we can take and shouldn't take and, and expound on. Anyway. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, Check us out at Spiritual Crusade. You guys have a good night. We'll see you in uh, November.